Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we're going to discover some of the mysteries hidden in the four-letter name of God, yud Hey vav Hey. Now, God's name is the most frequently used noun in the Hebrew Bible, occurring over 6,800 times. It first appears in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, starting in verse 4. It's spelled with only four consonants, yud Hey vav Hey. These are four Hebrew letters. It's called the four-letter name of God, or the Tetragrammaton in Greek. Now, this is God's written name because he's the Word of God, and we know that Yeshua is the Word of God who came in human form. In other words, God's written Word came to life, hence the Word became flesh. Now, our sages tell us the four letters represent Hayah, Hoveh, and Yeh which means he was, he is, and he will be. If we overlay this with the four consonants, it gives us God's name is three in one, Yehovah, Yehoveh, and Yehoveh. So simply understood, the name describes that God is the all-encompassing one. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the Aleph, and the Taf, the beginning through the end, the past, present, and future. Just as Yeshua's name means salvation, God's name means that he is everything. His name characterizes who he is. However, the name is phonetically unpronounceable. But why? Well, because we'll see in a moment, it's impossible to pronounce three variants of God's name concurrently. Now, a friend of mine recently shared with me what the Lord told him about his name. He said to me, he said, the Lord told him, you cannot pronounce my name until you realize that you cannot pronounce my name. So this was an interesting statement until my friend discovered through our conversation that God's name is, again, like I said, phonetically unpronounceable. So it's no wonder that Yeshua spoke in parables. So how is it possible then that the high priest in the temple could pronounce the name of God on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement? Well, he probably did not. I surmise that God had to speak through him to utter his holy name to the Jewish people. And so the priest was merely God's conduit for the Holy Spirit to bless Israel. Now, there's this mysterious correlation between the Shekhinah, or the Shekinah glory, the Holy Spirit, and the divine light of God, which is called the Kavod in Hebrew. They're not necessarily the same, yet each of them signifies some form of divine eminence. Our sages tell us that the Shekhinah spoke from the throat of Moses. They believe that Moses was so translucent because of his utmost humility towards God that when he prophesied, he didn't just relay God's message, but rather the Shekhinah spoke directly through his mouth. And likewise, with all the prophets and those possessed of the Holy Spirit, we see that it was the supernal voice and speech of God that vested itself in their actual voice and speech. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 23, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. And Paul affirmed this when he said in Acts 28, he says the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. 
And we also see this occurring on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So imagine serving in the temple as the high priest and having the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory, the divine manifest presence of God, uttering his unpronounceable holy name through you. I cannot. I mean, it's no wonder the high priest would die if he were unclean when he entered the Holy of Holies. Now, our sages do not attempt to pronounce any variant of God's name in order to prevent defilement of his name according to the third commandment. But there's nothing explicitly in the Torah, in the Bible, the books of Moses, that prohibits a person from pronouncing the name of God. For example, many common Hebrew names contain Yah or Yahu, which are part of God's four-letter name. And the name itself was pronounced as part of the daily services in the temple. Presently, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem is training a new generation of priests, Kohanim, to pray the Aaronic blessing using the full name of God for service in the future temple. Now, there's strong evidence in favor of pronouncing God's name as Hova, as in Yehovah, and this is because in Hebrew, Ye is the future tense of to be, as in the word shall, and Ho is the present tense of to be, as in the word is. And ah is the present tense of to be, as in the word was. Therefore, Yehoah can mean who was, who is, and who shall be. And this is in perfect alignment with God's own words. He said, I am that I am. And when we insert the Hebrew letter Vav, or the V sound, we have the pronunciation Yehovah. Now, there's much debate about the actual pronunciation of the Lord's name, and from what we just talked about, we can see why. The most important thing to realize is that Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh is his name, and we must read his word from that place of intimacy. We know that Christ has torn the veil that separated us from God, and now we have access to seek the face of our Heavenly Father and speak his unpronounceable name. I tend to use the words God or Lord when I pray. I even use the name Yehovah or Yahweh, which leaves the V silent, making a sound which to me resonates with the breath of God. There's no right or wrong. These are just my preferences. So now that we've talked about the pronunciation of God's name, I want to dig more deeply into its hidden meaning. So let's explore the intimate attributes of his character that are attached to his four-letter name. We begin with the book of Exodus, chapter 3. It says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Now this is a sensible question given the impossible task of comprehending an unsearchable God, And yet the God of Israel is not an abstraction. We are obligated to pray to him, and we are encouraged to sense his divine intervention in our lives. Jesus walked on the earth nearly 2,000 years ago, and he was God incarnate, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this was the great paradox. Yeshua was fully God and fully man. And yet God is not a man, nor can we understand him as 
having any human attributes. And why is that? Well, because God is not created. Man was made in his image, and we are the ones with human attributes that are created by God. So let's read God's response to Moses. It says, And so God said to Moses, Vayomer Elohim el Moshe, I am who I am, which in Hebrew is, Eheyeh asher Eheyeh. And he said, Vayomer, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, and in Hebrew it means Eheyeh. Eheyeh has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Vayomer Elohim Moshe, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So God's response is mysterious. We'll use rabbinic midrash to help us interpret this dialogue between God and Moses, and also its application for the naming of God. Moses has asked a question, but God does not appear to be answering in a way that we can understand. So how are we supposed to know God's name? The first thing we notice is the repetition of the words. God said to Moses, and in Hebrew is Vayomer Elohim el Moshe. Now it's commonly understood in rabbinic literature that when a word is repeated to a speaker without any intervening narrative, meaning the person doesn't respond back to God, then the text needs to be expanded. In this dialogue, the word vayomer, translated from Hebrew, means said to, and it's repeated three times. We need to gain an understanding of this repetition. The rabbinical assumption is there is a missing narrative in the scripture, and this missing narrative is commonly expanded in the Talmud, which is the written commentary and the oral tradition of the Mosaic Law, the Torah. Now, I understand that is probably a difficult concept for some of you, but the truth is that in Judaism, we have the written word of God, and we have the oral word that is a companion to the written word. Now, much of the oral has been since written down in what we call the Mishnah, and then it was later expanded into the Gemara, and the commentaries on, on the, all of that are compiled in what is called the Talmud. But that's another teaching. I believe there's a deeper explanation that even the rabbis have overlooked. So let's return to our exploration of God's name. I am who I am. Ehiyeh asher ehiyeh. Rabbi Abar Memel writes that God's response to Moses is not an answer, but a correction. God tells Moses, I'm not called by a name, but rather I am called according to my deeds. And God has many names, but none of them by themselves can fully characterize his essence or his nature. So in the rabbi's defense, there are no less than 72 biblical references to the names of God, and most of these refer to his attributes. For example, Yehovah Yireh means the God who sees. And not just sees, but he sees all things at every moment in time. Now, another rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak, says that God's response is not a correction, but rather a statement. Say to them, I am the one who was, I am the one who is now, and I am the one who will be in the future. And in his defense, we read that Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
And yet another rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov, the son of Rabbi Avina, says that God's answer means, I will be with them now just as I will be with them later. And he further refines his answer by articulating, Say to them, In this enslavement in Egypt, I will be with them, and they will go into enslavement in the future. Emphasis added, and I will be with them there also. This rabbinic opinion is a response to God's assurance and comfort to his people. And in his defense, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, Observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak later refined his opinion with another explanation. He said, Ehiyeh is derived from the Hebrew root letters He, Vav, He, with the meaning of in trouble or in evil, I will be with them. And this translates from Hebrew, I was broken. And so in in his refined opinion, the Lord is saying to Moses, tell the children of Israel that I will be with them there in their brokenness and trouble. But there's a complication in Rabbi Yitzchak's answer and that it doesn't work grammatically in the Hebrew. Ehiyeh is a first-person future conjugation of either the Hebrew root he-yud, he, or he-vav-he. Now, I know this is probably getting complicated, but translated accurately, it has to mean, I will be broken. And the rabbis attribute this future brokenness to the suffering of the Jewish people, and to an extent this is true. But we know what the prophet Isaiah foretold. In Isaiah 53, he said, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And on the night of the Passover, when Jesus made the new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, he told his disciples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We now also believe that Jesus, the Son of God, was broken for our iniquity. Therefore, the deeper explanation of God's response to Moses aligns perfectly with the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So three times God says to Moses, Vayomer Elohim el Moshe, and it's not just three repetitive responses, but it's an affirmation of the triune nature of God as each of the three parts of the Godhead responds to Moses. So, in the first part, he says, Tell the children of Israel, I am their heavenly Father, and by these attributes my character is known. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Colossians chapter 1, it says, For he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then the second part of the Godhead, it says, Tell the children of Israel, I am the Holy Spirit, their comforter, and in their trouble and evil, I will be with them. In John chapter 14, it says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, And the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then lastly, Tell the children of Israel, I am the Son of God, and I will be broken for their iniquity. You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Jesus spoke this in Matthew chapter 26. 
And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Wow! I mean, spend a few moments meditating on the significance of this revelation. But there's even more to understand. The Lord said to Moses, I will be with them in their brokenness and trouble. And this had to be a difficult statement for Moses because he's being asked to tell the children of Israel that they are now being freed from slavery and oppression in Egypt only to experience more trials and tribulation in the future. I mean, how often have we thought, the Lord has saved me, I've gotten my eternal salvation, and now I can live a life of comfort in the Lord. But Jesus told us in John chapter 16, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Suffering is not natural for us, nor is it something we desire. And yet the scripture is clear. In Philippians chapter 1, it says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Christ was broken for us, and now we who are in Christ will be broken for him. It's not an option, but a necessity, because this is our complete transformation into his image. And it says in 1 Titus chapter 1, that all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And we are to be like Christ in every way, little Christ's, when the world sees our selfless love, even in the face of death and persecution, that they will know that we are his disciples. So will you be counted worthy to suffer for him? It says in Luke chapter 9, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. And in Romans chapter 5, it says, for we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character produces hope. And I pray that one day the Holy Spirit will utter through each of us His phonetically unpronounceable name, because the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And let's fully surrender to God's will and become transformed into His image so that we might become just like Him, broken servants who would also suffer and give our lives to save a lost and dying world. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.